0: What's the matter, Batman? No witty comeback. No threat. Then I'll provide the narration. I'll begin with how I peeled back the layers of the boy's mind. Though he bravely tried to fight it at first, You would have been proud to see him so strong. But all too soon, the serums and the shocks took their toll. And the dear lad began to share such secrets with me. Secrets that are mine alone to know. Bruce. It's true, Batsy. I know everything. And kinda like the kid who peeks at his Christmas presents, I must admit, Sadly, anticlimactic. Behind all the sturm and batterags, you're just a little boy in a play suit crying for mommy and daddy. It'd be funny if it weren't so pathetic. Now, what the heck, I'll laugh anyway.
1: <laughs> hey everybody, this is Timmy Time on the Vash Fan Revolution podcast. This is podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. I lost it for a second, Tim, but I got it back.
2: <laughs> I was just going to say, that's probably your smoothest intro in a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, here's the thing. I feel a lot of pressure saying this podcast is part of the Batman <laughs> Universe Podcast Network because I want to get it in time and I mean, so that we don't get kicked off the, Bat, the Batman Universe Podcast Network.
2: And it makes it everything sound official, too. It's like, okay, intro set, we got our part of the Batman Universe Network. It's officially time to go now.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, it's like it's like at the beginning of every uh, NASCAR race, they have the like a celebrity say like gentlemen, start your engines.
2: <laughs> See, I didn't even know that's how much I do not know yeah. about NASCAR.
1: <laughs> You've never seen it on ESPN, or anything? I've
2: never bothered to watch one. Nope.
1: <laughs> what do you just switch the channel on? And- when that comes on, it's like, Nat- NASCAR, and it's like, okay, I guess we're watching something else. Pretty much, yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's a big sport and all that, and a lot of people love it, but I just don't get the appeal of it, really. Yeah. It's just not my thing.
1: Yeah, I'm the same way with soccer.
2: Yeah, I'm I with just, that way, too.
1: <laughs> I just can't get into it, no matter, no matter what anybody says about it, I just can't get into it.
2: Yeah, um, I mean listeners who listen to prize podcasts know that we're big baseball fans but I, I mean that's pretty much the only sport I really follow heavily but I do like basketball watch that stuff during the playoffs and the championship games and all that Yeah well, how do you there.
1: do that I mean the the playoffs are so long the basketball playoffs are so long that yeah you kind of lose track who's in who's out who's,
2: yeah, who Yeah it's just like won. you check I just talk on my phone, like, who's winning, who's leading in series, who won a series, and all that stuff. I don't watch every game. <laughs> it's mainly not to get, to, like, yeah. to the final two championship rounds. Is what so I, let me
1: I ask you, it. Is the are are the playoffs the best out
2: of seven? Yeah, every single one. Mm. That's what makes it drag out so long. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that, too, for baseball. Where people would want, uh oh, the division series to be seven games. And I'm like, no, nah, I like it where it slowly builds up you got the wild card game, which is this one, then you got the division series, which is the best of five, and then you. Move no, it's
1: up. two now, right?
2: No, it's still the same.
1: Oh yeah, the two wild cards. uh. In, in play each league, way. yeah, but it's, yeah, in each league, yeah, right. But it's not right, the best of two, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I think right now baseball is perfect. But it's, remember, the, I remember growing up when it was just uh, two divisions in each league, and you just went straight to the championship series and then to the World Series. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now there's two wild cards
2: and... Four division series? Yeah, Not four division series. why you got some baseball purists saying, like, eh, back in my day, it was just whoever had the best record and you went to the World Series. That's how you determined the best team. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, back in your day, they didn't have HDTV. I
2: don't know. didn't have DVRs either where we could rewind great plays. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, but, I don't know, I mean, I only like the, the NBA Finals, I don't really pay attention to the playoffs, because, like I said, it's just too long, and, yeah. I mean, even the Finals are long.
2: If it's a good series, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like the World Series, I guess.
2: Pretty much, yeah.
1: It's like the last World Series, they went to seven, so. mm
2: mm-hmm which is makes for such an awesome game. Last year's World Series was great.
1: Yeah, and you had to admit...
2: Yeah, something I did not want that... to, which I'm still on the hook for this year. Until next World Series. <laughs> until we make another yeah, Until wave. next World Series. Yeah. <laughs> right now, yeah, so. Scott Snyder still has a definitive Mr. Definitive Mr. Freeze Or <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like hearing you say that. Because <laughs> you heard me
2: baz it so much, it just... Sounds weird and funny to you now to hear me say the opposite.
1: I, I, I hope, like, like the Astros or the, or the, um, like a crap team, like the Padres or something, or somebody makes it to the World Series. You know why? Because you're going to pick them because you're going to fall in love with that Cinderella. <laughs> yeah. Unless and they're playing pick, against the Yankees. Yeah. And I, I'm going to pick the dominant team, which is probably going to be the Giants. And I'm going to beat you again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we wager some other thing that's related to that, or should we just keep doing it at the Snyder, Mr. Freeze every single time?
1: <laughs> no, no. We, we should definitely do something different this year. And that person, like, let's say it's you again, you have to commit to that every, for, I mean, for the whole year until yeah. the next World Series. Yep.
2: <laughs> that's our <laughs> new Batman tradition.
1: <laughs> yep. Betting on the World Series by admitting. Stuff we but we don't yeah oh. <laughs> we don't like. Uh, but anyway, uh, we have to get to the Batman stuff, which is um, the Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary. This is going to be minute thirty six to thirty seven, so we're making progress slowly. We're almost at the fortieth minute. So I know
2: forty five is going to be a big one.
1: Yeah, what are we going to do for that?
2: Depends on what scene it is.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, if it's just a boring talking scene, then.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
1: uh, I don't think we can. But anyway, um, yeah, minute thirty-six to thirty-seven. So just grab your your HD DVD or your um, your projector or your VHS tape or your beta tape or
2: all the stuff that survived throughout the decades as yeah, platforms to watch movies on.
1: <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. Go grab that. Just cue it up to the thirty-sixth minute. And I'm going to give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? I'm all set. All right. Three, two, one. Hit play. As Bruce and Selena kiss.
2: Which lasted for three seconds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I look at that guy. You scared her off. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like he really had a shot with her. See how old he looked? Yeah. Uh, and the part we saw in almost every Dark Knight Rises commercial or TV spot. <laughs> yeah. Where he goes, my wife. This scene. Yeah, (laughs) and the one with Alfred too that always played like at the very last part of the TV commercial but it always got laughs in the theater when I saw it (laughs) and people say the Nolan trilogy is not funny I know there's
1: a joke right there for you
2: (laughs) even this scene was pretty funny with Lucius Fox Fox always had some good one-liners
1: yeah and it's great to see Lucius and uh, Bruce back together yeah I always like their scenes.
2: And Lucius is uh, rocking the bow ties, as he always does in The Dark Trilogy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Those flamboyant uh, bow ties. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and that's it. Hey, oh, but we transition cool. to another scene, which is always a highlight when we do these minute-by-minute commentaries.
1: Yeah, because, like, if you're just watching the same, same talking scene, like that John Blake one, which took us forever to get through, yeah. <laughs> um, it can get a little tedious and... It's kind of like if you're on if you're in the middle of like a five-mile race and you're right in the middle of it and you're like, oh, man, why did I do this to myself?
2: <laughs> Still so like much that. more to go. <laughs> um,
1: but, yeah, that's our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute minute commentary. Um, so I guess stay tuned for the 38th to 39th minute.
2: I'm sure it's going to be a doozy. <laughs> Let's see if they get into the underground bunker
1: let's see if (laughs) we get to see the bat
2: yeah i I don't think so maybe another two or three minutes
1: yeah another two or three episodes um so tim why don't you tell the good people at home about our featured topic for this for this episode
2: i most certainly will and our feature topic for this episode is coming from an article that's posted on the batmanuniverse.net. It was posted on May 5th, 2015, so a few days as we're a few days earlier from when we're recording this episode. And it's titled Is it time to take the reins away from Scott Snyder? And this is by Joshua Paul Hawkins. And this is an article which we read I've <laughs> so I don't mark tweeted me asking did you read this article causing some discussions and uh, debates about <laughs> what the topic is so uh, you I'll did say... the same
1: exact thing to me too yeah like, did you read this article
2: <laughs> so i'm just going to say right off the bat, i do not agree with most pretty much all of what this article has to say but with saying that i will respect joshua paul hawkins's opinion on this i mean he's entitled to it i don't want to turn this into a bass fest on the article just a discussion and how we think is—we yeah. just don't agree with it. So, <laughs>
1: I guess yeah, it's, it's definitely not you know us bashing Joshua. Um, you know, he like you said, he's he can have his opinion. I mean, I, just be just because we disagree doesn't mean it's wrong.
2: Exactly. Yes. Which is a problem on the internet that a lot of people don't seem to. Get. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just going to throw out the question right now. I'll give it to you, Dane. Do you think it's time for Snyder, to, or the reins to be taken away from Snyder from Batman? I mean, he's been on it for a while now. Do you think he's told what he could, all the stories he could tell, without it seeming like it's dragging on and just doing it for the sake of it and not telling good stories? What do you think?
1: I don't think he's really doing it for. I mean, just because he can or whatever. Um. Yeah, he he's been on the book for a long time, but. I, I can't find anything that I do disagree with him on.
2: Hmm. I mean, yeah, there's points in stories that we may not like. or wish he took a different route, with, mainly with some of the endings from some of his stories. I mean, the one that always comes to mind is Court of Owls. But other than that, I mean, the basis yeah. of all his stories that he's told, I think have been great. When you just look on it from like a basic plot and what the story is about for each of his arcs, I think they've all been fantastic.
1: Yeah, like I know he got criticized a lot for the uh, the Joker one. The Joker ending. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I liked it, and sure he he's not so good on the endings, but I think it's I think it's safe to say that we can kind of forgive him for the endings because his stories are good,
2: yeah, from when you look at it as a whole, I agree, but I think endings do play an important part of a story, I mean because that's like the last thing that you're going to probably think about for a while as you finish that issue and it's supposed to tie everything together and leave a good taste in your mouth. And when it doesn't, I can understand how that could be something that will put a negative effect on your view of the story if the ending's not good. But I agree, when you look at it as a whole, at least for me, if even for movies or games I play or books I read, comics, where the ending's not good, I won't let that kill the entire story if I really enjoy what's come before it. But at the same time, I can understand where how that an ending for someone that they don't like can maybe ruin the whole story for them, but that's not how I like to take in and view stories that I read, watch, or play. <laughs>
1: that's that's funny because you just reminded me of something that I did recently. I um, dusted off my old PS4. <laughs> <laughs>
2: did you actually, turn it on. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I I, I had to I had to. Um, Put it in store, not storage, in my closet, so that um, my uh, Blu-ray player could reconnect to the TV.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And um, yeah, so I brought it out and I played, I replayed uh, that game, uh, The Last of Us. Okay. I don't know if you ever uh, you I heard, heard about that? Played
2: it. I I, I know uh, of it. I heard it was really great, but I haven't played it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a really, really great game, and it's the ending part that I remember the first time playing playing it through and I remember I didn't like it mm-hmm. be- the, I because didn't like of the ending. ending yeah because okay. of the ending which is pretty much do you, do you mind if I spoil it for you too no go ahead okay uh oh wait, spoiler alert uh, for the last of us ending so pretty much it's the guy and the girl right the girl is the cure for the plague for okay. this um sort of quote-unquote apocalypse she, she's the cure, but they have to kill her to get the cure because they need to go in her brain or whatever or something like that. And um, the main character, uh, his name is Joel, he decides to uh, rescue her and kills everybody. And at the end, I mean, they get away. And at the end, he ends up lying to her that, you know, you weren't the cure because she, she wanted to die for that you know, to save humanity, but you know, he he thought of her as, you know, his daughter. So he rescued her and sort of lied to her at the end. And I was I was like, so the main character in this story is kind of a bad guy in the end, because he just lied to the person that you know, he's close with.
2: Yeah, why would he even uh, do say that lie to her? <laughs> I mean, put her yeah, in harm's way if he knew it wasn't true.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like he he straight up lied to her, and I, I remember hating it. I was like, oh man, I can't believe i wasted wasting my time <laughs> playing this game. But, you know, looking back at the entire game, the entire story, it's it's so worth it. I mean, that ending is so much better than, you know, her dying or, you know, whatever else you can think of, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of think of Scott Snyder stories like that. I mean, that's a long way to get to it, but I kind of think of it like that. You know, it's, it's not so much the ending. I mean, I know it's the last thing you see. I know it's the last part of this, this story that you're going to, You know remember or whatever or whatever Uh, but you know if you look back on you know the entire story uh, there's a lot to you know appreciate and yeah the ending wasn't perfect but you can't be mad at that you know Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i think i mean what prompted this whole article i'm assuming is the ending of endgame which uh, we'll get into more detail when I review the comic later on in the episode. So we'll go into full details on that story right now. But that's what prompted this article, I believe, because it's a pretty shocking ending. And here's the thing that I really disagree in this article is that he's pretty much saying Snyder has stolen and taken ideas from other classic Batman stories and hasn't really told anything original, which I mean, I strongly disagree with that. It's looking at his track record from The Black uh, the Black Mirror Court of Owls. I mean, in Death, with Death of the Family and even Endgame, with Joker stories, it's hard to do something truly, truly original because the character's been around for 75 years. I mean, there's gonna be stuff that you're gonna take from his history. I mean, I think some of the points he was making in the article was that like, using uh, Joker toxins to affect the city. I mean, we've seen that hundreds of times before in Joker stories. Yeah, I granted, that's nothing new and original, but it's that wasn't the main thrust of Endgame to me that's not what I take away from it it was just another part of the Joker's plan that he's doing but it wasn't really the main focus and the main point of Endgame really when you think about it as just Joker terrorizing the city and uh poisoning everyone with the Joker toxin yeah that's part of it but not the main point from what I took from the whole story so yeah, when I saw this article and read that, I mean, he had some pretty strong words to say, like saying that Snyder's rehashing old storylines is hack work and it's amateur, it's fan fiction. He says this reeks of everything Scott Snyder has said, in which he talks about how he just comes up with ideas and DC basically just uh, blindly follows him. Like, man, that's a little too harsh. I think sure you might not like it, but to say it's hack writing, like, no, what Scott, Scott Snyder's the stories he's telling is anything but amateur and fan fiction. I mean. He's doing stuff with characters we've known for a long time been fans of in ways I've never really experienced before, especially with Endgame and stuff he did with Joker. And then Batman with the Court of Owls, what he had to go through. I mean, the Court of Owls was such a great storyline that we haven't seen before. I mean, that whole organization and how they were messing with Bruce and got the better of Bruce and how Bruce was in denial that whole time, but yet still overcame it. Sure, you can make the argument about the whole Lincoln March, me and his brother thing, being a little forced. And I agree with that, especially with how it ending. But the whole overall story is so good. And I think he created a new classic organization of or group of villains in the Court of Owls, which not <laughs> to do that in the Batman universe is extremely difficult. So, yeah, to say that he's just rehashing a lot of stuff, I mean, I just couldn't disagree more with that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, and
1: I think he used the word plagiarizing. And I don't think it's so much pla- plagiarizing. Um, but l- let's say Joshua's right, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just say he's right that Scott Snyder's rehashing old storylines. If that's true, I think it's just the foundation. You know, he's still got to yeah. put up the walls and the roof and, you know, the interior. Mm-hmm. It's it's not plagiarizing. I, I If he is, you know, rehashing old stories – I mean, you can't just do that because people are going to call you out on it. And a lot of people are going to call you out on it. What you have to do is you really have to build out your story and make it your own. And if he is, that's what I think he's doing.
2: Yeah, I mean, do you really think Scott Snyder would have been this successful and this well-regarded in the comic industry if he was just plagiarizing everything and just stealing from other stories? No, like you said, he would have been called out on it pretty early on. I mean, yeah, it's... I just do not get that at all when I read his stories. And granted, I mean, in this article, Joshua posted some of stories that he lists, like uh, um, Contagion, The Last Laugh, No Man's Land, Batman and Robin 16, and the, amazovir- the Amazovirus. Virus* as kind of stories he thinks Snyder's is ripping off. And yeah, when you see the stuff he's listing, there's similarities, but still, there's enough here to <laughs> make it different. And I think, in my opinion, better than a lot of these stories that he listed in there. So... Yeah, just, sorry, Joshua, I just do not agree.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You just vehemently do not agree.
2: And that's the thing, I don't want to come off as like a Snyder apologist or someone who just agrees with every story that he tells. I mean, hey, we were just talking about it earlier, the whole Mr. Freeze thing. (laughs) Yeah, I was originally not on board, but now I love it.
1: (laughs) Right, right, exactly. And, yeah, I mean, some of his storylines aren't that good. I'll, I'll admit that. But uh, most of them are. And I I don't really see the plagiarism thing. I don't see rehashing, really. Mm. Do you? I no. Mean at all. I mean, I never yeah. got
2: that uh, thought in my head as I'm reading any of his stories. Like, oh, he's just ripping off this. I just go, oh, man, there's cool homages in there. Yeah, but never do I think he's ripping anything off.
1: Right, right.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, again... I think for the most part, I mean, when you when I look on Twitter every I see. Of course, I follow Scott Snyder. I mean, he seems to be very appreciative when he gets compliments and stuff when people say they enjoy his stories. And but at the same time, I know he's there's people who just don't like his work. Because I mean, come on, in the comic industry and just any industry where you're telling stories and stuff where people are gonna uh, view your work, you're gonna have some negative and positive on here. But I think the majority, for the most part, is still positive and maybe there are people who are just growing tired of these stories, and sure, if you don't like them, that's fine, and you want to change, but for me, as someone who's was there from the beginning of Scott Snyder's run, all the way back in Detective Comics with the Black Mirror, I mean, I think he's still going as strong as he ever was, and while I still have to get used to the new status quo that's going to happen in June with uh, Gordon taking over at Batman, and we'll get that uh, in our comic review section later when I talk about the free comic book day issue that dealt with that so i i'm intrigued with it i'll say that i mean i'm not officially on board of the whole idea um i mean okay i'll just save it for when we get to the reviews because i'll go into some of the negatives of this whole new situation with batman so but i'm i from his past track record and the other stories he told i'm still giving scott snyder the benefit of the doubt to tell another really really cool story so We'll just have to wait and see. I mean, this one looks totally different, so I don't think this one <laughs> could be viewed as ripping anything off. I mean, we'll see, <laughs> but this list looks totally different from what I, we know about it so far, so it's definitely going to be interesting.
1: I'm just wondering, what's Black Mirror a rehash of?
2: Yeah, I see, nothing I can think of. I mean, look what he did with James Gordon Jr. I mean, how
1: Maybe like so, some of the Shadow of the Bat stuff? Yeah.
2: I mean that's the thing too. Maybe there's stories we don't know of. That
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: From. So it's really hard to say with Batman's rich history and so so many stories. So
1: yeah, and again, I I think this situation is kind of like the movie situation about how you know people are kind of bashing, um, the the Dark Knight trilogy, mm-hmm. where it's you kind of forget where Scott Snyder took over, you know, because. Yeah, That, that storyline right before Scott Sander took over was one of the worst storylines I've ever read in <laughs> life.
2: That was David Hine, wasn't it? That was David Hine. Ah, yeah, uh, the
1: imposters.
2: <laughs> that was it, right? Or was it that...
1: was poorly, yeah, it was poorly okay. written. And that that was a story that was rehashed and was just, just terrible. And when Scott Sander took over the book, took, took over Detective... I remember it it was like night and day. Yeah. It it was it was such quality work and I think people really forget that. And yeah, he, he has been on the book for a long time, but I don't think you should necessarily forget that.
2: Totally, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point actually. I mean I mean that can happen too where someone who's really great in the past, they start uh to fumble and not tell us good stories as they go on, but right now, I don't think that's happened yet, and maybe we will get to that point, maybe this new status quo with Gordon Batman will be that story where we finally go, okay, it's Snyder dropped the ball on this one, right? Here. Right now, right, it's right. not that point. As Aragorn said in The Return of the King, it is not this day. Oh, no, Tim. There will be a time when Snyder fails, but it is you not nerd. this day.
1: You nerd. <laughs> No, no. Um Yeah, I guess just to wrap things up, uh like we said in the beginning, this isn't a bash thing, you know. This isn't a uh you're you're wrong, I'm right kind of yeah, thing. How dare, you, but, like, no. <laughs> yeah. how dare you, Joshua? How dare you trash the great Scott Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, it's Scott Snyder hasn't had his Frank Miller moment yet. Yeah. (laughs) Or at least I don't think he did, but...
2: no, Yeah, yeah, not in my opinion, that's for darn sure.
1: He didn't have his Dark Knight tricks again moment? No. Or his All-Star Batman and Robin moment?
2: Oh, I really, really hope we never get to that point.
1: (laughs) Or the Spirit movie?
2: (laughs) I don't think he said he wants to become a movie director yet, so I don't don't know if we have to worry about that.
1: Or Sin City 2? Or... Uh, the three hundred two, whatever that's called.
2: He didn't direct those. Did he? he just I do no, stories, but he didn't do anything for the. Well,
1: movie. I think either. he might have had a hand in enough. Th- not not three hundred. Uh, Sin City two.
2: Okay. Huh. Yeah, with,
1: with that guy, that uh, Spanish guy.
0: Uh, um, is it Robert Rodriguez. Is it?
1: I, yeah, Robert, Rodriguez. Yeah, uh, but. I did watch the three hundred, whatever that's called. Uh, what is it called? Oh, I say it again. What what is it called? You, no, what you, was the
2: movie you're talking about though?
1: <laughs> oh, oh, the three hundred second, oh, second three hundred movie.
2: Is it yeah. rise of rise of something, isn't it? Rise of
1: an empire. Yeah, okay. Empire. Yeah, yeah. That one was just as terrible as Sin City too. So you don't have to watch that <laughs> at all. Um, everything that you loved about that first movie is gone in the second <laughs> movie. Man. So you don't have to worry about that. I've just saved you time and money.
2: <laughs> like Frank Miller and sequels, they don't go, it seems like. <laughs> it's not.
1: Did he do a sequel for uh, his Daredevil?
2: Um. See, I know he had a Daredevil run, so, but then he did The Man Without Fear which is like the, his year one for Daredevil. And I'm not sure if he told like yeah. a sequel where it's just kind of like a graphic novel thing like The Dark Knight Returns or The Dark Knight Strikes Again, I should say. Uh, I don't
1: think well, so. No. Well, I mean, all of, his, uh, all of his Daredevil stuff is critically acclaimed, yeah. right? Oh, okay. Well, then he didn't do a sequel to it.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but yeah, is, is there anything else you wanted to say to him?
2: No. I think we're good. I got my points across, I would say. (laughs) I mean, might as well give thanks to Joshua, too, because it got us this topic (laughs) and something to talk about. At least have a friendly discussion on why we think he should still be staying on the bad books.
1: Yeah, I think we should. I mean, if we could, uh, I think we should have invited him on to talk about this.
2: Yeah, in hindsight, we probably should. <laughs> yeah. He could have defended himself. But. It's
1: kind of like we're talking behind his back or something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's our featured topic for this episode. Um, thank you, Joshua, for um, for writing this article. I mean, yeah, we don't agree, but... It hey, sparked some th- good
2: conversations. Yeah,
1: it sparked some good conversation. And, you know, you're a good writer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, this one was probably a while to get every, all his thoughts together <laughs> and put everything on the...
1: Yeah, definitely. Especially the comparisons to mm-hmm. the other stories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess we can move on to our news, and we only have two things.
2: Um, but one of them's pretty big, though. <laughs> yeah,
1: so, so let's start with the kind of smaller one. Uh, it's the, the Arkham Knight season past DLC, um, where you get to play as Batgirl.
2: Yeah, this is actually pretty cool i think because they tease that there's a season pass coming but then they finally release the details and what i like about this season pass is that it looks like we're getting a lot of extra story missions which is really cool because what if it was just like skins and some of the uh, arena battle mode stuff like that stuff i really don't care too much about but if it's actual story mission dlc like yeah i'm all on board and we're getting one that's supposed to be uh, directly with Batgirl, which is cool. I mean, it's a prequel, obviously, because it looks like it's Barbara Gordon, and in Arkham, she's Oracle. So it's called Batgirl A Matter of Family. And it says, an only prequel story expansion in an entirely new location where you play as Batgirl for the very first time in the Arkham series. And then we get a cool picture showing the design. And it's like, it's classic Batgirl costume, almost pretty much the first version of the new 52, which yeah, I always like I was about
1: that to design. say. Yes, yeah, it looks like the new 52 um, Batgirl.
2: I think, too, it would be cool if they have a skin of her new costume, because that is a good costume, her new one. Yeah.
1: Um, But there's also a lot of other DLC. There's the Season of Infamy, where you play as Batman in an all-new story mission uh, featuring legendary supervillains invading Gotham City with new story arcs, missions, and gameplay features.
2: See, with that one, I'm hoping it's something to do with the Court of Owls. I don't know why. I just want them involved in a game. I think that would be really cool. It says... Legendary supervillains. I know the Court of Owls aren't legendary status just yet, but if they're somehow involved with something in Arkham Knight, I think that'd be really cool.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad. I mean, just just going through these uh, these DLCs or these well, whatever you call them, yeah. The DLCs. DLC, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm glad that they actually add stuff to the game rather than just like the like Call of Duty. All they do is add maps to it, and you can only play. You can only play that in multiplayer. Yeah. Which is.
2: Yeah, it was like
1: I I don't go on that. (laughs) uh, The
2: the Mass Effect games had some great story DLC stuff, which I thought were really fun. And I'm getting that same vibe uh, or or impression with these Arkham details. It's going to be like that, where we're getting good story content. Because, like I said, we got Batgirl, got one with villains, and then another one called Gotham City Stories, where we get to play as Batman's key allies in narrative missions extending their storylines, which, I mean. We all know it's going to be Nightwing and Robin. <laughs> That's already been good yeah. for him. So to get new narrative missions with them is going to be fun also.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad I dusted off my PS4, my old PS4.
2: Yeah, uh, you only uh, have just in about time. Yeah. a month and a half to go before you'll actually be using it.
1: <laughs> well, I've used it. All right, Tim. Oh,
2: I guess for a game, I should say.
1: Oh, well, I did. <laughs>
2: yeah, we said <laughs> it was a while last for of Last of Us. It. so.
1: Oh, yeah. But... I was thinking, I was thinking about uh, playing Destiny, but I don't know. Like I was talking to Corbin earlier today, mm-hmm. and he has a PS3, so it's not like cross compatible.
2: Oh really? I thought it was. For yeah, some
1: yeah. So you, you, if you have a PS3, you can't play with a person that has a PS4. So.
2: I know you couldn't do it with, like from an Xbox to a PlayStation. But I thought if you could do it with the same systems for like for Sony, but huh, I guess not.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Corbin told me that, so I don't know if that's true or not. Do you trust Corbin?
2: I trust Corbin with my life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: if you had a child, would you trust Corbin with that child?
2: <laughs> Video game knowledge, I'm not sure sure on, but yeah, <laughs> I trust him with my child. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's the DLC, um, Season Pass.
2: Yeah, I think I'll be purchasing the Season Pass for this one.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to buy it uh, what do you call a Call of Duty season pass? When uh, you get his maps, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, the big news is that we finally get to see the Suicide Squad uh, cast, all of them. Uh, I know
2: how surprising was this on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I didn't
1: expect it. <laughs> yeah. I did not expect it.
2: <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I I was scrolling through Twitter and I just see. Someone says, "Oh, this is awesome! This looks awesome!" I just like—I f- didn't look at the whole image. It was like kind of like the preview image of it that you see on Twitter. It's like I just scanned scanned at it real fast. I didn't even realize what it was, and then I started seeing more. of it. okay, what is this? I go, oh, crap! It's the Suicide Squad. <laughs> like, oh, there's Harley.
1: <laughs> so, what do you think about Harley? Uh, Margot Robbie as Harley.
2: I think she looks great. I mean, when I look yeah. at her, I see Harley Quinn, which is awesome. And sure, I've seen some uh, reactions online with saying, oh, that's not the Harley I remember. Or, we want the classic Harley Quinn look from the animated series. But going in, I knew we weren't going to get that. <laughs> like, there's no way. I mean, they're going new 52 route. And which, I mean, from her earlier designs in those Suicide Squad issues, uh, it's kind of like, I think a mix of that and the, her Arkham look. Yeah. And Yeah, I think, she looks like Harley. She looks great.
1: <laughs> yeah, because the Arkham uh, Harley is, well, to me anyway, Tim, I don't know about you since you're a purist, but it's <laughs> it's the best interpretation of Harley.
2: Yeah, it's good, <laughs> but I still can't put it above the animated series one yet. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> what about Scarecrow? You got to admit that's
2: oh best no. Scarecrow. No, it's the animated series New Adventures <laughs> is the definitive Scarecrow. That was perfect.
1: Oh, Tim. <laughs>
2: This, you know, the Scarecrow is great, though. It looked how he looks and what he does in the first game is amazing.
1: We're not friends anymore.
2: Too. <laughs> All <laughs> right, goodbye, everybody. Last episode. <laughs> um,
1: so yeah, it's just the entire cast, and the only one I'm kind of questioning is Katana. I mean, not Katana. Sorry, um,
2: Cersei. No, it's not. It's not Cersei, is it?
1: No, no, no. Uh, the the girl that's on her knees.
2: Yeah, that's Katana.
1: Yeah, Katana. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's...
2: Enchantress. That's what I was thinking of. The other girl. For some reason, I thought it was Cersei, but it's Enchantress.
1: But... I don't know if that that's gonna work in the movie. I mean, it, it looks looks odd.
2: It looks like Katana. I'll give it that. I mean, it's funny on Arrow because uh, Katana's in that. In this last episode this week, she was in full costume like this one, and I thought that looked good. Um, it was more armor based. This one just looks like street clothes with a mask. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it'll work. I mean, it's it still has that, that katana look to it. But as far as how it would look in the actual movie with everyone else, I guess remains to be seen. But to be honest, I didn't even know she was in the movie. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. hearing her cast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um, did you see the the um the leaked picture of uh um Harley? She she's um tattooing yeah.
2: joker. I saw she, it like, oh crap. But okay, She I'm looks
1: sorry. as cra yeah, she looks as crazy as Jared Leto
2: does. Yeah. And like when that Jared Leto image came out, people yeah. were saying like how cool would it be if Harley's like her his tattoo artist? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but you're then right.
2: I've seen that picture, but now I've seen reports saying like, is this actually accurate? We don't know. So right now it's still kinda of up in the air if that's a legit photo. But to me it looked <laughs> it looked really good as far as it looked coming yeah. off as a authentic image but i don't know i guess we'll wait and see but
1: Harley has has tattoos on her um on her thighs yeah Mm -hmm. so maybe that is true
2: i've heard too that see i couldn't zoom in on the image i'm looking at right now but i've heard uh, the word puttin's on there which i think is awesome
1: (laughs) (laughs) of course you do tim oh yeah by the by the way what, what do you think about the deadshot mask
2: Oh, I love it. I thought it looked great. Really? Yeah. I mean, I was worried because when we got this image, everyone saw, like, Will Smith's outfit in there. It's like, dead, and that's Deadshot I goes, oh, but Deadshot needs some type of mask or, like, a helmet or something because he it's, Deadshot always has something like that, whether it's a hat, a face mask, or actual helmet. He needs something. And the one we got, I'm so glad they went that route because it's, like, the classic white Deadshot mask. Was it a big fan of how he looked in the Arkham games or... How he is on Arrow, which is just like a small mask that covers his eyes. And yeah. Sometimes it just covers like the top of his face, or he wears a cowboy hat. No, this is old school Deadshot with the white mask and that targeting. Um, it almost looks like a scouter from Dragon Ball Z, but <laughs> it's just cool. It's like they're it going that route with the classic Deadshot look. But
1: you know, the, the the mask reminds me of Arrow. It looks like they just took that Arrow mask.
2: For you know, from what character though? from um oh
1: deathstroke wow, you mean yeah deathstroke oh, okay. it looks yeah it just looks like they took the deathstroke mask and put it on will smith
2: i can see that there's a little similarities but again it's that classic white deathstroke i mean Deathshot shot mask that he had in old the old pre-new 52 comics which i loved i'm just glad they're going that route because i was worried they're going to be one of those things where Will Smith is such a big movie star that we're going to have to show his face at all times and he's not going to wear his mask but even if it's in one sequence (laughs) where he has the mask on I'll be happy just that they're paying homage to it and that they know the character Deadshot has to have some type of mask on there so I'm happy with it I think it looks really cool I I think it's funny too where when the picture came out, I see people going, like, like I said, like shouldn't shot have a mask? Or we wonder, will Will Smith wear a mask? And then Will Smith actually put this first on his Facebook page. So it was like kind of, <laughs> I wonder if it was in response to everyone asking that. But regardless how it came out, I'm glad we did, because it got me more pumped for it.
1: Yeah, so I guess that's it for our news. Oh, no, we, we're so
2: not I done think... with the picture yet. I've got to, how can we not talk about Killer Croc? <laughs>
1: okay, talk about Killer Croc then.
2: I mean, just the idea of Killer Croc being in this movie, to seeing him finally in a live-action movie is really cool. And I think they're having a nice blend of he still has that reptile skin, but yet still that human look kind of that I've got in the Brian Azarello and John Bermejo, or Lee Bermejo, uh, Joker graphic novel. Yeah. I think it's a perfect mix of that. And I really can't wait to see how he looks in the movie and what he can do. Uh, just, I, Here's the one worry I have. This is titled The Suicide Squad. So we know members are gonna die, and I'm pretty sure it's gonna be the two guys on the fo- <laughs> at the end of each corner because they're almost like nobody villains. And I just hope Killer Croc isn't one of them because I really would love it if he somehow, some way gets to face off against Batman, <laughs> which would be pretty darn cool. And which I don't know if you saw it, but it's been revealed that Ben Affleck was on the set of Suicide Squad. I don't know if you saw the yeah. behind-the-scene image, but he was in Batman costume, but they had to like put a blanket over his <laughs> whole, whole body, but you could still see the bottom of his leg. That's the bat <laughs> suit. It's just funny seeing them trying to cover it. So We know for sure Batman's going to have a role in this movie, big or small, we don't know yet, but uh, I'm getting more excited for Suicide Squad. I mean, but this and Batman v Superman coming out in the same year, uh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, and
1: I'm glad they make the... Kind of like what you said. They they didn't make uh, Killer Croc like a uh, half crocodile, half human thing that that looks weird. Because that's like my, I I hate it when when uh you know writers and artists do that, where he, he has like the crocodile snout, mm-hmm. but yet he's a uh, he, walk he's walking upright.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I just don't get that. But I'm glad he's he looks semi-human.
2: Yeah, but yet still looks like Killer Krog.
1: Yeah, yeah. So was there anything else, Tim?
2: I guess that's got to cover it covered. I mean, you got Slipknot, you got Captain Boomerang, you got Enchantress, you got Rick Flagg, and El Diablo are the other ones, but they're pretty self-explanatory when you look at the images. Nothing too <laughs> striking comes out at you, but Enchantress does look creepy, though, I will say that. <laughs>
1: yes, she does.
2: See, if I had to pick, Slipknot's going to die, El Diablo's going to die, and probably Enchantress. Those what are my three. Katana? Katana, maybe, but I'm going to put her on the survive list <laughs> for now. I mean, But those three, I think, are for sure goners. <laughs>
1: it's like they're red shirts.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, the first mission they go, the Suicide Squad goes on, one of them's being taken out. <laughs> Either by getting killed in action, or one of them's going to disobey an order, and Amanda Waller's going to blow their heads up. <laughs> like she yep. always does. <laughs>
1: Um yeah, so so that's all of our um uh, all of our news and we can move on to a conversation with Alex. So Tim, are you ready for Alex's email?
2: Yes, our favorite part of the show. So I'm always Yes, there. our favorite part.
1: Uh he says, Hey Timmy time of the Bat Fan Revolution. Bat fans revolution. Oh man, I could use a fan right now. How's the temperature where you, you guys are at? Right now it's only eighty six degrees, but it's only May, so I'm expecting worse. I guess we're a bit odd in Michigan, going from temperatures of below zero in the winter to the hundreds in the summer.
2: Right now, for California, the weather's been perfect because it's been raining a lot, which we haven't had in a long time. So the fact that we're in the month of May and we're getting rain, I think, is a miracle. So the weather couldn't be perfect for me right here in Chino, California, as it's 57 degrees as we're recording this at 9 (laughs) o'clock.
1: Yeah, you see, that's what I liked about or, you know, when I went to uh, San Diego, it gets cold at night. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's crisp cold. It's not, like, humid.
2: Mm-hmm. And we probably got about a month and a half or so, probably, to enjoy that, because then it's going to be hot night and <laughs> day.
1: <laughs> well, um, here it's uh, 77 degrees, which is. Normal. <laughs> so it stays like that year round, unless uh, we're in winter, which I mean it gets down maybe to the low seventies.
2: Yeah, <laughs> not even in the sixties. <laughs>
1: Sometimes in the sixties, maybe in the morning sixties, but uh, like high sixties. But so yeah, like, a
2: jacket, Dane. <laughs> Not really. In
1: fact, I had to buy one when we went to San Diego. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like why? You were in San Diego because you didn't have one originally?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I, w- I just went to Walmart and picked up a, a, just a generic one. just so I could have one.
2: And now it's going sit in your closet until when you go on another trip.
1: Yep. Uh, and during the summer, it gets around 80. Uh, maybe like mid-80s. Seriously? So it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> it does get humid though. That's the That's one the thing. I smart. Yeah, yeah. It's like you take a shower and it feels like you're still wet. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. Or it's like you you're sitting down in a chair outside and you get up and your back is completely soaked with Sorry. sweat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> then you need to take a shower, but then when you get out of the shower, it's still doesn't feel good.
1: Yeah, you still. Don't feel... And it, it's not so much. I mean, I, I mean. The main thing is it doesn't feel good, because you know you put on your pants and your pants are all sticky because you've been sweating, even though you just got out of the shower. That's what I hate about it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, it's well as hot as it, really hot in California. It never gets to hit too bad with the humidity, so can't complain yeah. about that.
1: But Alex goes on to say, I was really interested in hearing about your Jehovah's Witness celebrations, Tim. It sounds like a lot of dedication. <laughs>
2: Yes, it is. Dedication yeah. and sacrifice, I would say, too, on certain things. But, hey, like you said, when it's your face, you make it.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, I think I asked you this before, but what if they put out a Christmas Star Wars trilogy, both trilogies, <laughs> box set, and it was covered in Chris, Christmas things? But here's the kicker. It has a brand-new documentary with, with uh, George Lucas, it has deleted scenes that haven't been seen ever, and <laughs> it's in a higher definition than the Blu-rays.
2: See, why would they just make that as Christmas-themed Star Wars thing? <laughs> It'll never happen.
1: Let's <laughs> well, just the say they did, Tim.
2: You see, with now that it's digital, I could just buy it digitally now, and there'll be nothing to say no, that no, I need no, Christmas to You see really. the, the,
1: the, 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 um, the menu screen has Christmas decorations <laughs>
2: See that's the thing. If there's like Christmas decorations, but the main content has nothing to do with Christmas or anything like that. Oh,
1: yeah. you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, so, so you, it's like you can buy a a Snickers theme. Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna go too like overboard.
1: Christmas theme, right? Yeah. Like,
2: cause, I mean, for work, you're gonna be in work environment where there's gonna be Christmas decorations and like Christmas tree yeah. stuff in places. But I mean, there's nothing really you can do about it. So. <laughs>
1: So, so what if let us say you're gonna go over to your mom's house, right, for for your your parents' house for dinner or something, and she gets a ham, or she goes to the store and she gets a ham, but it's covered in Christmas decorations.
2: <laughs> Just take the decorations off, eat ham. <laughs> oh,
1: okay, dang it! I'm trying to get you, Tim.
2: <laughs> Keep trying, Dan.
1: Um. But he says, it sounds like a lot of dedication. Also, it was great hearing about your time at the Star Wars fan, I'm sure your dedication to that fandom isn't close to your passion for your faith. But it seems pretty close. Dane. <laughs> Dane.
2: <laughs> I will say it comes to my faith, family, then my geek fandoms of Star Wars, Batman, and other stuff. <laughs> They're right under there.
1: <laughs> Dane mentioned that you were on panel. Is there a video of that available somewhere, Tim?
2: Yes, Alex. There is a video of it on YouTube. I will reply to this email and send you a link when we're done recording because it's available that on the panel we had it recorded. The audio is not that great, but I think you can probably make out most of what we're saying on there. But, yeah, I'll definitely send you a link with the video of that panel because it was a lot of fun.
1: Or why don't you just yeah send it to Alex and then put it out on our Twitter. Okay. Yeah, I can do that too. Twitter. I'm sure uh, Mark and Mike want to see that. So uh, He he goes on to say, additionally, it's always great hearing Dane's indignant <laughs> attitude towards modern <laughs> Frank Miller, Miller's work. I really hope it's good because Frank Miller doesn't seem to be doing so well health-wise and it would be great that one of his last works didn't provoke negative controversy. Although with a name like The Master Race it might curb my <laughs> my enthusiasm a bit. Yeah, your enthusiasm, I think you should just throw it in the trash. Right right now. Sorry, right now, Alex. And if you do that,
2: and it turns out to be good, you'll be pleasantly surprised. So it's a win-win.
1: It's a win-win. You don't look stupid because you thought it was good. It was going to be good. And if it's good, then you're surprised about it. Exactly. Uh, He says, I don't understand why they'd make it a sequel to Strikes Again, since it's pretty universal." Mm -hmm universally panned, and even ruined Dark Knight Returns for me until I was able to re- re-read it uh, many years later. Seeing Brian Azarello's name is what got me really excited, and I hope he takes a big part in Dark Knight 3's production. He's a fantastic writer. In regards to the Jared Little pick, Joker pick, I don't know what to think. Perhaps it's just going to be a funny flashback scene or just a joke for the audience. I don't see the tattoos as being something permanent, and I trust that he's going to be well-written. A lot of comic book characters look pretty silly, but if the writer does a great job developing them, I don't care what they look like. Well, except for baseball head, <laughs> dead shot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Did you see that the cast shot for Suicide Squad? I think they are all great. I'm not familiar with all the characters, so I have an easier time keeping an open mind.
2: I will say real quick regarding the Joker picture. Have you seen afterwards where there are like re- rumor reports coming out saying oh the way he looks is just a promotional stunt for his seventy fifth anniversary that in the end he's not gonna have all those tattoos? It's like what yeah, I saw. That. Yeah,
1: like the tattoos aren't permanent, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean,
2: yeah. Like nah, I don't think so. I don't think they'd release that as the first image and they go, No, that's not what the Joker looks like. It's like gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> like no, especially still, the
1: first image. Yeah. Like, of uh, the new joker because right you up. want
2: I mean you want to show what he's going to look like because of the reaction he's going to get and then you don't want to like switch it later on I mean what if it had the opposite effect where it was really really like universally positive where everyone loved it but then they go no actually that's not it so yeah I don't <laughs> think we're going to get something in the movie it might just be one scene but we're going to see that joker with all those tattoos and somewhere in that movie so but like Alex said, maybe they're not permanent tattoos. But then again, maybe they are permanent, but we only see him without his shirt on for one shot while he's in prison. And then the rest of the time, he's in this classic Joker outfit. So who knows? But I think that shot is how he is going to be in the movie, though. It just sounded like fans who didn't like it wishing for a way that it wasn't true.
1: All right. So um, Alex has questions as always, right, Tim?
2: Yep. And they're good ones. Yeah, they are.
1: Uh, His First question is, who are your favorite Star Wars characters, and why?
2: Like I said, good questions. <laughs> you see, for me, it's between two characters. It's Luke and Obi-Wan. Growing up, I was always Luke was always my favorite character. I mean, just the hero's journey of the farm war, growing up into the Jedi Knight, and then what he did to redeem his father, and just the whole father-son dynamic that he had with Vader and Jedi. I just love it. And I just can't wait <laughs> to see his story continue in The Force Awakens in the new trilogy. Oh, it's going to be awesome. But then like during the special edition, going into the prequel era stuff, it became Obi-Wan. I always liked Obi-Wan as a character as a kid, but never my favorite. But then when we got to see him in the prequels and get more of his story, I just really took to Obi-Wan. Just of uh, what he's been through in life and then what he went to become in A New Hope and being the last of the Jedi. And one thing I like about him... I mean, technically, I guess this really isn't canon now until we get more Obi-Wan stories before The Phantom Menace. But he was always a Jedi who wasn't really expected to do much. I mean, he was real close to not even making Padawan status and just be kind of becoming a worker in the Jedi Temple, either like an agricultural Jedi or like like a record keeper or like someone who works in the library. He would never become like a full-on Jedi status. So he became a Padawan pretty late, which is why he's kind of older and still a Padawan in the Phantom Menace. But then, when well, by the time we get to Revenge of the Sith, he's a Jedi Master, he's on the Council. So, he's like one of those characters who's not, was really destined to do anything great in the galaxy, kind of like Darth Vader as a Chosen One, or and Luke as the Redeemer of Darth Vader. But he's such an important character in the galaxy by what he does, and just the pinnacle of what a Jedi should be in some of the stuff you see in the Clone Wars. I mean, that's why I love Obi-Wan so much. So, I can always go back and forth, but I mean, Right now, it's probably going to lean more towards Luke since we're going to be getting new stories with him, but him and Obi-Wan are always going to be fighting for that top spot. That's my favorite Star Wars character. How about you, did, Jane?
1: Did you see that rumor that Max side-out is going yeah. to be Boba? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's funny. I was like, can that be true? But then other sites I usually go to and trust for their information and their sources, yeah, they yeah. haven't said a peep about that, and somebody even called it out saying, yeah, that's bogus. So. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, that site took down the post.
2: Oh, really? It did? Yeah. I, oh, I can't remember was... what it is, though.
1: Or it was which one Movie it is. Pilot, I think. Oh, least, was it?
2: At least that's where I saw it at.
1: It's whoever broke that Adam Driver was Kyle Wren.
2: Yeah, they said that, but it, yeah. really a lot of people said that. So I don't know if that's really something they should cling on as <laughs> far yeah. as validating themselves. Because a lot, like, I just can't remember where I actually heard that first. Adam Driver was Kyle Wren. It was almost one of those things... When you try to remember, it was like, we always knew that. It's kind of hard to pinpoint where it actually became, like, the first person to point that out.
1: Yeah, well, um, yeah, anyway, uh, my two favorite characters, I mean, my favorite, here's how I'm going to break it down. Original trilogy and the prequels.
2: See, it's hard just to pick one overall. <laughs>
1: yeah, but my uh, my prequel, tri- I mean, my um, my OT is easy. Because it's the Sarlacc.
2: <laughs> How could I not guess
1: that? <laughs> or the Rancor, <laughs> the Rancor. <laughs> or that, or that guy that gets eaten, or or the the, the the guy that uh, is the Rancor keeper. Yeah. I can't remember his, what's his name?
2: Malachili, I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, and my prequel trilogy uh, character is going to be. I said this on the podcast before, but it's quite gone. because. Out of all the character. I mean w- w- when you first meet him in uh Phantom Menace he is an outcast. I mean cuz he doesn't get along with the council, the Jedi council and he's he's kind of like labeled a I guess you'd call him a rebel right? Tim?
2: Yeah, kind of like a renegade Jedi.
1: Yeah, yeah, like a lone wolf kind of Jedi except he has he has to drag along Obi-Wan. Um and like I said before, he was the only one that was right about about Anakin. You know, the, the just, Jedi, the, just in the, the, the Jedi Council. Yeah, and his faith in the Force. You know, just leave it up to the Force, and Force will, you know, it'll do its thing. And I mean, even the Jedi Council di- didn't believe in that, and they didn't believe in Anakin. And it's it's sad that he had to die. But the um god, I can't remember the name of it. Remind me Tim of the Cold Wars arc.
2: Uh, Mortis? Yeah,
1: the Mortis trilogy is just like that cherry on top. Because, yeah, I mean and... he's only in it for like five seconds, but
2: But then you get the Yoda arc where he dominates the yeah, first two yeah. episodes. Oh. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And if there's gonna be one spinoff movie, I want it to be a young Qui-Gon movie.
2: Yeah, because young Qui-Gon and... See, I don't want too young Qui-Gon, I want Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, like, a few years before the Phantom Menace of them as yeah. Master in Battle, and I think that'd be awesome.
1: And Qui-Gon's kind of a mystery. I mean, you yeah. don't really know a lot about him uh, beforehand, and...
2: Especially now that the EU stuff doesn't count, a <laughs> total yeah, mystery. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and how... I mean, I'm just wondering, like, how, how did he feel so... I mean, how, how did he come to feel so strongly about trusting the Force, and you know, why wasn't he given a seat on the, the Jedi Council, even though he was, you know, one of the best Jedi?
2: Yeah, that would, it would be cool, too. I was talking about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan like standalone movie, or we should say the correct term now, anthology films. Uh, Obi Uh Or Qui-Gon and Count Dooku, where Qui-Gon is his apprentice and Dooku is his master. That would be something.
1: Oh, that would be good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, Qui Gon is my uh, favorite character.
2: Um, Qui Gon and the Sarlacc, got it?
1: <laughs> yeah, the S- Sarlacc or the Rancor? Oh, yeah. I can't decide. I mean, it's kind of like picking children. You know, <laughs> who's your favorite ch- child? Uh, I mean, the Sarlacc has the pit. Um, the The Rancor has that dungeon thing and that that uh, Rancor keeper. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, go ahead, Tim.
2: I was gonna say, and then there's just Qui Gon. Yeah, (laughs) fits in with those two characters, I guess. But
1: uh... (laughs) yeah, and then he bites it. Yeah. (laughs) But the second question is, what type of character do you find more compelling: the optimistic, optimistic Boy Scout, or the smart Alec Rogue type character?
2: You see, um, I'm gonna go more the optimistic Boy Scout route. Because, like I said, growing up, uh, Luke was my favorite Star Wars character. But I would say, uh, not necessarily a Boy Scout, but he was optimistic in, in that first movie, especially. I always tend to go for those characters more than the rogue, smart-aleck type characters. I mean, like Han Solo and other characters out there in comics and stuff. I tend to be the more like the quiet, optimistic ones who uh, really aren't the like coolest <laughs> character in the group, but yet... Yeah, They're still really good characters, and when you uh, need to count on them, they'll never let you down. So, yeah, I'd go for the more optimistic Boy Scout.
1: You know what I just realized that that? I haven't really read about or anything? How, you know, Qui-Gon's kind of philosophy of Mm -hmm. the Force and, you know, just being a Jedi, Mm -hmm. it fits perfectly with uh, uh, A New Hope and Alec Guinness. And what he's telling Luke.
2: Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, especially, it fits together
1: so perfectly.
2: Because Qui Gon told him it was with the Living Force. Yeah. And then especially if you watch Clone Wars, like in Mortis and the Yoda arc, and what that entails about the Living Force and the Cosmic Force, and then when you hear Obi Wan telling Luke about the Force, as well, it's, it's an energy field that's the that uh finds together all living things. It's just, Yeah. Like, especially coming from the prequel. I mean, a lot of people bash on the prequels about midi chlorians and how it's too scientific. But then, like that was kind of the point of how the Jedi were wrong and how they viewed the Force by but, but through midi chlorians. Like that was the only way to determine if you were strong enough to be a Jedi or whatnot. But that kind of was a part of what led to their downfall. And what Qui Gon kind of always knew, where you can't just rely on the on the stats and numbers. You have to rely on the, the living Force, and that's kind of why or i think it makes sense too why yoda and obi-wan they don't mention like midi coins and all that stuff to luke and because that's not really what's important that's just what the will of the force and during that time period where there's really not much they can do if they want to destroy the empire and bring back the jedi so yeah like you said it makes perfect sense
1: yeah and as for your question uh alex uh i would have said smart alec or smart aleck uh, rogue type character, but I'm gonna go with the optimistic boy scout because I made mean, sure the optimistic boy scout sounds like Luke or Superman, but there's so much more to those characters that you really have to like research and find out about. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I just reread um, Superman for all seasons, the Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale uh, Superman comic. Mm-hmm. And There's, I mean, I always saw Superman as the guy that, you know, you know, couldn't do any wrong, and you know, he he, he was a force to get behind stuff. But then, I I guess they just do it in such Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. They just do it in such a way where it's like this is a human character, and he you know he feels emotions and. It, you know, just, just that kind of thing. It's it, it's not Superman up in the sky, you know. It's Superman down to earth. So I'm probably going to go with the Optimistic Boy Scout.
2: Cool, we're both in agreement there. And yeah. plus, this is my personality-wise. I would never be like the smart-aleck smart, smart Alec rogue <laughs> type character like, like Han Solo. It's just not me. So.
1: Yeah, it's like nothing can get you down to It's like... Tim, I'm just not uh, that
2: cool, really. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like Tim, your house burned down. Oh, but maybe we can roast, roast marshmallows. <laughs> it's like, I'm God. not that optimistic and positive about situations. <laughs> but,
2: <laughs>
1: um, but Alex says I've heard slash read that Han Solo was unanimously the, the Star Wars character for kids. But I was always more attracted to Luke. It's the same thing with Tony Stark. And Steve Rogers. I'm much more drawn to Captain America than Iron Man, though he has less depth as a character.
2: See, I totally agree with that too. When see the Avengers, like Iron Man, like yeah, he's funny and he's like he's a cool character. But yeah, Captain America is by far my favorite one throughout that whole group, and just his character in general in the Marvel universe. Yeah, this goes to the point where we're saying yeah, he, he has more of a Boy Scout in him than Luke. But again, the, op- the optimistic personality too is what stands out. So. Total agreement with you there, Alex.
1: You know what I was thinking? I was thinking Mark Ruffalo has the best job in the world. Because <laughs> he, he's only in a couple of scenes, right?
2: Yeah, he has a good amount where he's not the Hulk. I but mean, even then, we, he's not for every scene with the Hulk, but he does do some mocap stuff. Uh, yeah, so he puts in his work.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, th- thank you, Alex, for your email. We always enjoy reading them. And it's not a, it's not a bad fans podcast without... An email from Alex, right, Tim?
2: No, it's not. Well, we have to cancel an episode if there's no email.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did we get an email from Mark?
2: Mm, Yeah, we did.
1: Is it the Batman movies Joker? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, thank you, Alex. We love you, as always. And now we can move on to Mark's email. Or sorry. His his new name is going to be Marine Mark. Because it's MarMar, you see see how that works yeah <laughs> it's the same three letters and it'll help distinguish him from mike
2: <laughs> i hope it helps <laughs> i'm not making any promises though
1: <laughs> and and mark was in the marines so marine mark so MarMar, mar marine it, mark
2: it so definitely fits we just gotta remove it
1: fits. <laughs> all right so marine mark says hey dane and tim First, thank you for the kind words, fellow Bat-fans, on my podcast debut. It's nice to hear Tim again, and it was fun to follow your adventures in Anaheim. Well, the Star Wars trailer was amazing, and this movie will break all the box office records, even the ti- even the the Titanic, Tim.
2: See, we got to move past Titanic, because that's not the number one. we got to move past Avatar. That's oh, real. Yeah. we got to be number one.
1: <laughs> Why did so many people watch that movie?
2: Uh, 3D, that's the only reason. Really? 3D? Yeah, yeah that's was like the... First greatest three D experience for a movie, and that's what made it do all kinds of. Boxing. Or
1: why did people so many people watch Titanic?
2: Yeah, that's a mystery right there.
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe like the effects, the visual effects, or seeing the yeah, maybe ship, like or,
2: girlfriends wanting to take <laughs> and wives well, taking their husbands to see a romantic movie.
1: I guess, but anyway. I saw a side-by-side picture of Affleck and Bale as Batman next to each other, and Affleck simply looks better. He looks like the Bruce Wayne in the comics and reminded me of G- Jim Lee's Batman. The suit is amazing, and it's truly a nod to Miller's Batman. I agree with Dane that 2016 can't come enough. Onto the topic of Leto's Joker and the reaction of fanboys everywhere. He looks good, but I'll reserve judgment when I see him in the movie or a new trailer. Rumor has it he'll be making a cameo in BVS, but I don't know how the timelines match up as he hadn't transformed into Joker until after official production of BVS ended. Am I right? The word on the street, a.k.a. Twitter, are those (laughs) (laughs) tattoos are just part of the promo shoot. They're saying, real entertainment sources, that he will be tattoo-less in the movie.
2: Yeah, we just as we're just talking about. I'm not buying that one. Yeah, <laughs> I still think he's gonna have them all over.
1: I'm down with this development. I have no doubt in Jared, Jared Leto's acting, as he's a great actor. Have you seen Dallas Buyers Club? It was it was Leto, Leto's return to acting, and he deserved the Oscar. Did you see it, Tim? Oh
2: no, I haven't seen Dallas Buyers Club.
1: I, I just seen a picture of him in the movie and. He uh, he plays a woman. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, just in and, the commercials and stuff I've seen for it, I mean, just from those, yeah. <laughs> it looks like he deserves the Oscar.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I guess he's a good actor. Um, lastly, on the movie front, it is Jesse Eisenberg talking in the BVS trailer. He's the one saying, Devils don't live in the ground below us. They come from the sky. Something like that.
2: Uh, so, yeah, I was still wondering, because I kept hearing... Jesse Eisenberg is talking in there, like you hear like about like which one is it. Because I really haven't seen a Jesse Eisenberg movie, so I wasn't quite sure, but now I know. Thanks, Mark.
1: So, Batman Forty, wowza! What a great <laughs> comic. The variant issue is already going for over fifty dollars on eBay. Senator and Capullo really blast doors open for new Batman possibilities, and have breathed new life into the main Batman comic. How do you guys feel about the ending, and how long does it take uh, Bruce to come back? I say Christmas time. Look forward to recording with both of you guys.
2: Yeah, well, stay tuned in the next few minutes, Mark, for the review of Batman 40. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, well, thank you, Marine Mark. Uh, See,
2: I already forgot to call him Marine Mark. (laughs) It's Marine Mark. At least I didn't call him Mike.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But speaking of Mike, we can move on to his email. So thank you, Marie Mark, for your email. We always like reading them. And uh, we love you, as always. Right, Tim?
2: Yes. How can we not give the same love to all of our emailers? Yes. Or, see, we've, we were supposed to call them uh, revolutioners, but we haven't been calling oh, them
1: that. Or revolutionites. Yes. How about that?
2: Revolutionites. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Timmy Time revolutionites. <laughs>
1: uh, but Mike says... This is not marine mark this is Mike <laughs> Zodiac uh, he says good day mates with all the news of Star Wars I, I would have done that in an Australian accent but I didn't want to offend Mike <laughs> um, w- w- with all the news of Star Wars and Batman v Superman trailers coming out I went into the cinema to watch um, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron with diminished interest and having not been spoiled on anything my biggest excitement was getting to see the Star Wars and BVS trailers before the movie. I didn't see either. Instead, it, they show ads for, uh, <laughs> yeah, and man, looks okay, and Pitch Perfect 2. The ad was enough to make me never watch it.
2: So uh, I'm right there with you, Mike. I went to the theater, really excited to see Star Wars and Batman v. So Ran and I got nothing. that <laughs> like' you got to be kidding me. Like, How could they not show, especially Star Wars, since it's Disney? <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it. I feel like I've cursed when seeing Star Wars trailers in the theaters because for the prequels <laughs> I didn't see any in the theaters. Like, uh.
1: so I started Avengers on a bummed out vibe. This movie was great, and I think going in with a clean slate really made it better. This brings me to all the info that is coming out about Star Wars and BVS. I am a bit worried that I'm going to get something big spoiled and not have it ruin the experience, but not get the result I got from Avengers. What do you guys reckon about this? Do you just take it take it in and don't care or do you evo- do you try to avoid it?
2: Yes, it all depends on the movie. For Avengers, I stayed away after the second trailer. and stayed away from the TV spots and I didn't even came out with the third trailer and spoiler stuff. So as we got closer to it, I started staying away. For Star Wars, I'm getting to that point now. I mean, I'm going to see the eventual third trailer that comes out and maybe a few tv spots maybe not i I, it's gonna be hard not to but i want to try not to see the tv spots for for it because sometimes especially if it's anything like avengers with how they released the clips and tv spot it was way too much so i don't want to go down that road and see too much of the cool stuff and then i'm already stopping on the spoiler stuff and because a lot of the stuff coming out now with scene descriptions and how scenes play out is like i don't mind knowing details but if i start getting like uh, scene by scene description of what's going to happen. That's where I don't want to uh, get spoiled on. I want to see that play out in the movie. Batman v Superman that's still a ways off. So the stuff that comes out for that, I'm still going to be uh, taking it in. So <laughs> right now, I'm not putting the wall up for Batman v Superman. Probably by the time we get to the Force Awakens, I'll because more Batman v Superman stuff will be out by then too. So that's when I probably will stop with that one.
1: Yeah, for me, it's you know basically comes down to. Uh, how much I care about the movie. I mean, if it's uh, Batman vs Superman or Star Wars, the new Star Wars movie, then I will look at some some stuff. Like, uh, let's see what's a good example.
2: Like, you're okay with watching all the trailers that come out
1: for it, right? Oh yeah, like all the trailers and the the um the classic card things. You no, know, I'm okay with that, but you know if it's this is how the movie's gonna end, or if this is a big plot twist in the movie, or you know uh so and so is in the movie, you know, I'm not really gonna want to click on that, yeah um but if it's something like The Avengers that I don't really care about, um you know, I'll just spoil the crap out of myself <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh Mike goes on to say also on Avengers. I found that while watching them, I went and rewatched the first one again shortly after. I noticed that in both, in both, the heroes argue and fight each other. Then the news came out that Cap Three is going to be Civil War, which implies that they are going to fight again. I found this interesting that with how many people begging, 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 yeah, begging out Batman versus Superman about. Why do they have to fight? Aren't they friends? And yet nobody says that about Avengers. I'm really excited about Suicide Squad. This is going to be awesome, and I hope it is a success so we get more of these movies. The character reveals look great, and I was super excited to see Killer Croc. I mean, come on, Killer Croc! I never thought I would see the day you would get him in a movie. It's funny though that I'm that I am okay with um, with getting info on this movie. No big spoilers. No big story sp- spoilers, though. When with B- Batman versus Superman, I don't know, I don't want to know anything. I read a lot of people complaining about Harley's look, saying that this is not how she looks, but I guess they don't read the current stuff because it looks like a mashup of her new 52 looks.
2: Exactly.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I read Batman number 40, and I have to say that I think I'm over the Scott Snyder stories. Wow.
2: Oh, so he might be in agreement with Joshua then.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I know that I'm probably in a minority of just me on this, but <laughs> his, story, his stories have just become too much for me to take anymore. I thought Cordova was good, but the Lincoln March stuff was forced. The death of the family was too horrorish and had the most un-Batman thing ever when Bruce approached the Joker and talked to him. He said that he didn't care because he didn't see him as Batman, but clearly he did because he attacked his friends and called him Bruce. Zero Year was enjoyable for the Red Hood part, but the thriller part seemed a bit unreal. And if the story was set six years previous and the city was flooded and overrun, overrun with trees, how was it fine a short time later in Justice League number one? I think
2: for that, uh, technically Justice League number one is five years from zero year because Batman, because they're supposed to be around for five years. So I think that's how it was established that way.
1: Then this this latest Joker run comes out and I thought that the Justice League inclusion looked cool but was ultimately pointless to the story. Then it goes into super horror story mode for the rest culminating in the spoilers probably should have read this part after your view death of both joker and batman Really, 40 issues in and they're killing batman off are they short on ideas um that they have are they so short on ideas that they have gone this route again but then they show a shadow image that could be bruce and damien at least that's what the comment section is going with so it'll probably end up being that bruce is a lot is still alive and will take the call back in a few months pointless I think I will go back to just listening to Tim's reviews and not bother buying the books. Your reviews are always better than the actual story.
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Mike.
1: Uh, P.S. Tim, thanks for showing me that new Star Wars Ultimate Guide on Twitter. I had not heard about this book, but looked it up on the internet and bought it. Going to be some good reading, so thanks for the tip.
2: Uh, no problem. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty thick book. I think we're well overdue for a new like encyclopedia slash timeline book with Clone Wars and now Rebels and Everything that we know for sure is canon now. So, yeah, definitely worth the pick up.
1: All right. Well, thanks, Mike, for your email. We, always, we tell all of our emailers, uh, we always enjoy reading your emails. So keep on sending them in, and we love you. Right, Tim? Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but now we can move on to... Our comic reviews, which is going to be pretty much Batman number 40. So, Tim. Yep.
2: Oh, here we go. My take on Batman number 40.
1: <laughs> but, oh, wait. What's a rating scale?
2: Oh, that's a good point, too. Hmm. How about since there's only one comic and it's going to do with Batman number 40, how about Batman deaths in the last 10 years?
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which is two, I think.
2: Uh, if you count, see, I'm. If you count Dark Knight Rises for a little bit, where people think he's dead, and who knows what's going to happen in Arkham Knight, it could be a little more than that. So, oh,
1: yeah, I guess so. I guess so.
2: Yeah. Okay, so because this is the past episode, you know, I've been loving the story so far and couldn't wait for the ending, and it did not disappoint in my opinion. I thought it was a great ending to what I think is a great, great Batman slash Joker story. I love how the issue started off where it's a flashback to the Red Hood and. Batman just going over, like, this is the moment, the time where, like, the Joker was born. Or, like, I love the panels that it shows and how Batman describes it, whereas it's like, the smell of the chemicals and just seeing my reflection in your Red Hood helmet. That's like a funhouse mirror. And just the way Greg Capullo drew Batman's reflection in Red Hood's mirror, that's all, like, you know how funhouse mirrors, where you're, like, too tall or too short, too skinny, too fat. It was just, like, exaggerated and into such a great effect. And then it's, like, so Batman's recalling that, and he was saying... Even from that moment, we all knew it was like going to come to this moment where we come to the present and we see where we left off in the last issue with Batman teaming up with, of course, the Bat family members and the villains of Gotham. And I just have to say, it's just cool to see Batman teaming up with villains. I mean, we've seen it before, but I don't think on this scale where we're seeing like Poison Ivy, Bane, Penguin, Killer Croc, they're all teaming up with the Bat family members and then seeing them work together. Where there's this great moment where uh, Bane has to help Batman get flipped on to his dinosaur that he has in the back gate that Joker's using for his parade. It was just cool to hear Batman just goes, Bane. And Bane just goes, I hear you. And Batman just steps on his hand and Bane tosses him up. Just, it was just cool seeing them work together for a change. And this was a great moment that I liked here. This is the first great part of the issue where Batman makes his way up and then we get to him confronting the Joker. And he, the whole thing is he has to get the fluid out of joker's spine to make the cure for the uh, toxin that's going out in gotham city so batman has him he grabs him by the neck and he's about to extract it but then joker sends out this loud like laughing track that's just making everyone cover their ears and even batman and all the villains and then joker has batman right where he wants him and he lets out another toxic gas that's gonna penetrate all the even though they're wearing their masks it's gonna penetrate uh, them and infect Batman, the Bat family members, and the villains. Of course, Joker has to give a great speech, because it's pretty much the last time him and Batman are going to be together, because he's about to kill him. And what I love about this this part is Joker is saying how he's one step ahead of Batman. He thought he could get the cure from him, but instead he already arranged it where uh, what's in his blood, he already tainted it to where it's not going to be the cure. It was pretty much all for nothing, but there is part of the Dino, it's called the Dianosium left but he's buried it deep underneath Gotham and he's all Batman if you only knew the city like you thought you did like kind of going back to Court of Values where they're saying you don't know the city as well as you think you do and Joker's calling that out on him too he's like if only you became the king of Gotham like I tried to make you be in death of the family but no like you're nothing more than a little boy crying for mommy and daddy That remind took me back to that awesome scene in Return of the Joker where Joker reveals to Batman in Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, I should say, where he reveals to Batman that he knows who he is and he's taunting them like, after all we've been through, you're just a little boy who's <laughs> just crying for his mommy and daddy and it's pathetic. I and mean, he didn't actually say it like he did in Return of the Joker, but it had that effect. And there's just something about Joker knowing who Batman is. It's just I just love it because <laughs> it just really getting down to the core of the characters and what it's really all about in their struggle. Between those two. So I just love Joker bringing that aspect of him to this final conversation that he thinks he's having with Batman and Bruce and how he thinks he's won. But the twist is, as he removes Batman's mask, it's not Bruce in there, it's Dick Grayson, which I thought was really cool. I mean, you know how I haven't been a fan of the whole Grayson storyline and how that all went about, how (laughs) Dick's not there? Because, I mean, if this big a situation, you would think Batman would call in Dick to be a part of this to try to help. And he saved it for the best part where he had him be Batman and just think that Joker won. But in reality, he didn't. That's what I loved about this part. Joker thinks he has the upper hand of Batman and it works. But then, no, Batman is two steps ahead of the Joker because, well, he had Dick there trying to get that uh fluid from his body to make the cure. Batman's already on his way to that underground cave to where Joker really has the last diagnosium of fluid that Batman used to synthesize the cure. So I just love that part. Joker and Batman being one step ahead of each other, but in the end, it's Batman who's two steps ahead of the Joker. Ah, it's just so cool. So Batman gets to the pool, which is kind of like a Lazarus pit, really. It's not, but it has the same effect. Batman goes, this is probably, after Joker fell, from the cave and death of the family, he made it to this underground part of Gotham, fell in the, this pool of diagnosing and it's what healed his body. It brought his face back. It made him, uh, gave him more enhanced abilities. So this is where Joker's getting his new sense of strength from and where he's kind of telling these tales of him being immortal. So Batman extracts it, but then as he about to leave, Joker set explosions in the cave and it, they're all going off now. And then Joker stabs Batman right in the neck. And boy, what takes place in this sequence is just really, really awesome. I mean, when you think of Batman and Joker encounters, you don't necessarily think of like awesome fight choreography and fight sequences. It's just a good battle, but more on the philosophical level and what the mind games that they play with each other. That's the great Joker and Batman stuff. But this one was just an all-out awesome fight sequence, along with the great dialogue that they have with each other. Man, this is a brutal fight, but it's awesome. <laughs> Seeing Joker go toe-to-toe with Batman was great, because like I said, Joker's not the best fighter, but being uh, having that Dianosium in his body, it's making him be- do all these acrobatic stuff. He's plowing knives into Batman, and I like what he tells him. He goes, uh, so you think it's the Dianosium that I took? It probably is, or... Maybe I've just been playing with you all the years of our fight where I really pretended not to know how how to fight wasn't that good. But in reality, I really was and was just holding back. Just, again, Joker playing those mind games, trying to – this makes you think, like, is that true? But even though it probably isn't, it's just really cool. But, yeah, Joker does some brutal stuff. Probably what stands out is Joker stabs two knives into the top of Batman's back And then on the lower part of it, he carves a smile, like as he slashes from behind is a smile. So you see this cool panel shot with the two knives in Batman's back and a smile on the bottom. It looks like two eyes and a Joker smile. It's just a really awesome touch that Greg Capullo did in that artwork. But then Batman just goes all off on Joker, too. I mean, Joker throws like a a rock that's on fire in Batman's face. Batman swipes a battering cutting his face And which supposed to he's layered it with the toxin he needed to as a cure, so that slows down Joker's healing process. But nope, Joker still goes at him, throws some playing cards, the sharp ones that go directly into Batman's eye, his arms, just brutal. But then and then Batman takes a page out of Mike Tyson and bites a little of Joker's ear. (laughs) But then the coolest thing Batman does is they're almost at a standstill just like huffing, (laughs) just like exhausted. Then, boom, Batman just rams the side of Joker's body with his sharp ears just impaling. <laughs> I was like, man, they're just really going all out. I mean, this is building up as the end game. This battle is an end game for Joker and Batman. This is some brutal, awesome stuff. I mean, this is just a great fight sequence. So, Batman, so Joker gets to Batman, you know, he's saying, like, kind of showing his disappointment where, like, Batman, this was supposed to be my gift to you, like for you to have the Dianosium to be immortal and for us to like to do this forever, kind of what the point he was making in Endgame. But again, Batman denied it. And as Joker is about to deliver the killing knife blow, one of the like above a spike pillars in the cave falls down and knocks Joker off Batman. It doesn't impale him, but it hits him in the back and knocks him out pretty good. So Joker is like, he's going to die if he doesn't get to that Dinosium Pit. So he starts to make his way there, but Batman grabs him. He's like, no, wait, Like I need to tell you something. And then Batman starts telling him how he believes him. He thinks he's, he was the pale man who's been in Gotham for hundreds of years and that he finally sees what Joker's been trying to do, but Joker's pleading with him like, no, you gotta let me go. I need to get to that pool. Like We're both gonna die if you don't let me go. Batman's all, no, just wait. I just wanted to say I'm sorry. Tell me you forgive me, Joker's like, Okay, I forgive you. Let me go. But then Batman knew what he was doing. He was keeping Joker from diving into that pool because the it was caving in, and then a big chunk of rock falls into the pool, just covering the whole pool of Dinosium, ending Joker's uh, dips in there to give him his uh, rejuvenation and healing factor because that was the question going in. Was Joker actually immortal? Was what he's saying true? And he's been around terrorizing Gotham for hundreds of years, but it wasn't in typical Joker faction or Joker fashion. It's just something he was using to mess with people's mind and just add to his twisted past. And that's just so Joker. So in the end, I I was thinking to myself, I was reading the story, like, is that true? Like, how would I feel about that if Joker was immortal, has been around forever? Like, I don't know. That's the best route to go. But so I'm glad Snyder didn't go that route. And it just turned out to be one of Joker's lies. But a lie that was really effective, I think it works out for the best. As far as Batman saying he believes it now, I don't necessarily think that's true. I think Batman is just realizing that him and Joker, they are like the opposite sides of the same coin. They're like, in a way, almost friends. I mean, it's kind of what Joker said in The Dark Knight. Like, what happens when the unstoppable force comes together to an immovable object? This is what happens. They fight to the death. And then Batman kind of sees that now, that Joker was his greatest villain, greatest foe. And then at the end of the day, he even says greatest friend, because he goes, well, not greatest friend, but he goes, as Julia is trying to tell Batman, you need to get out of here, like, don't send the vial without you, but Batman goes, no, just pull it up, I'm gonna rest here with my friend a little while longer, it's like, Batman realizing that, him and Joker, what Joker's been saying, how they're two, like, they're meant for each other in a strange way, like, Batman's kind of coming to terms with that, so, yeah, as it happens, I mean, we've heard it, the big thing, Batman and Joker appear to be dead, they just bleed out, lying there on the ground, and then we flash forward a little bit to two weeks later, and you see Alfred in bed. And then the sky of Gotham is like bat signal lights going off across the city. And Alfred, like, close the window. I don't want to see it <laughs> to Julia. And Julia's all, you know, like, we can probably repair your hand. We saved what was left of it. And Alfred is like, no, they're just, I don't want it. There's no one to mend to anymore. And you see Alfred's the sadness and frustration on his face. And now, uh, there's life without Bruce Wynne anymore. And then jeweler reveals bruce left a note but she said it was very cryptic and very small like a very short note then she goes i'll ask alfred like you know what it means and alfred's all you know what i actually do it means bruce was flawed and i just love alfred's monologue here because he says well when it comes down to batman like the thing we all know but we don't want to admit is that the story of batman is and always will be a tragedy i mean we can't expect this life that Bruce is leading to for him to have a happy ending because Julia's kind of questioned all the stuff Batman has access to Lazarus pits and like magic stuff. Why didn't he use it to make himself immortal to continue the fight forever? And then Alfred's all saying that that's his greatest strength is that he is mortal. And that's the very thing that makes him in like the thing that makes him mortal, that he is immortal. And just kind of as fans, what we love about Batman, that he is human He does have flaws. He's not powerful like Superman. He's not invulnerable, but yet that's what makes him even stronger and helps him get the job done and continue his mission as Batman. So a great monologue for Alfred. It is right. I mean, it's cool that Dark Knight Rises, we got a story, like a final Batman story where Bruce gets the happy ending, and that's great. But like Alfred said, the story of Batman probably, for the most part, (laughs) would end in tragedy, and I think that is the most fitting way for a Batman story to end. So the note that Bruce Bruce led, it just said ha on there. <laughs> that was his note that Alfred interpreted that, yeah, it just means he's flawed and that he's mortal. So that's how the issue ends. And uh, like I said, I loved it. I mean, it was a great final Batman Joker story. And I probably to, before this issue, I would say Batman Return of the Joker was a great final Batman Joker confrontation. What Joker did to Tim Drake there was just messed up and just like the perfect final blow to Batman to to mess with one of the Batman family members. But it wasn't necessarily the final... Well, it was because Tim Drake shot him, but then he came back. But anyway, this was actually an endgame, Batman versus Joker, just them one-on-one in the fight to the death. I mean, if we, we know they're going to come back. It's obvious. I mean, uh, I believe it was Mark who said he thinks December. I'm thinking by the time Batman v. Superman comes out, we're going to see Bruce coming back. But regardless of that, it's just a great story that we got here with Batman and Joker coming to blows each other This, who knows when we're going to get the next Batman Joker story, we all know it's coming but for this particular continuity maybe we won't get one until there's a new revamp in DC but for this one if this is the last Batman Joker story maybe it's the perfect way for it to end it was just so great, awesome fight sequence like the philosophical meaning to it of Batman versus the Joker just really really good but this kind of goes to my one negative it is a little too soon that we're getting a Batman dying story. We got Batman R.I.P. by Grant Morrison like 2008-2009. So just not even 10 years later, we're getting another one where Bruce is no longer Batman. We know Commissioner Gordon is becoming Batman. So that's my only knock on this, this that it's a little too soon. We've seen it before, and we all know he's coming back. So it's not that big of an effect. And I think this was actually off better than batman rip and what happened in final crisis with him getting zapped by Darkseid and going back in time because it looks like batman is actually dead here i mean we'll see how he comes back but i think it's just a better story overall if you were to tell the final story of batman and joker and with them dying this is how it should be done so even with that small knock that's not a knock on the story it's just pretty much the timing and what dc decided to do so i'm not going to hold it against it so i'm going to give it Five out of five, I know, shocker, <laughs> times that Batman has died in the last 10 years. So I just loved Endgame so much. It's I'm putting it as my favorite uh, Scott Snyder story that we've gotten so far. Just a lot of cool stuff in every issue. The way it started with the Justice League, the way it played out with Joker, uh, mm-hmm. making you think if he was immortal or not, coming into that real creepy factor, like him being around this year. Like so many years, is so messed up. And then you got the thing with Crazy Quilt. Then this issue, that little bit with the Court of owls, so, so much cool stuff. I was really happy with where it ended. So, yeah, five out of five. Dane, if you haven't read it yet, I recommend reading it as soon as possible. <laughs> That's, yeah, but I, I don't want to get it too, too hyped up for you where you go, yeah, it was good, but Tim, you hyped it up way too much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I do have it. I bought it. I just got to download it.
2: Cool, yeah. I think you'll like it. Okay, and you know what? Cool. I got to give one more review. It's a small one, but um, free comic book day. They came out with that divergence issue one shot. And I actually just downloaded today on the DC comics app because it had, it was basically broke up into three parts that gave you a sneak peek of what to expect from Batman, Superman and justice league. So I did read the, I read the whole thing, but the part regarding Batman and setting up Jim Gordon, it made me more intrigued for it because how it works is, which I really liked is um, it's, working with the police force, there's a new company that took over Wayne Enterprises that's working with the police force to develop this new Batman suit because they feel there always should be a Batman. And the company's name is Powers, which I'm taking is from Batman Beyond, from Wayne Powers. So the fact that they're bringing the Powers family into this continuity, I think is really cool. And we'll see if it has any connections to the upcoming Batman Beyond title, but the fact that they're bringing that Powers name in there, I felt is going to be something that's going to be, I'm hoping anyway, is going to be pretty cool to have in this timeline. Because um, when you think of Wayne Powers, they were so connected or such a big part of the Batman Beyond, at least the first season that aspect of the show. I think it makes sense to bring him in some way as being incorporated into Wayne Enterprises. So that's the reasoning for at least developing that new Batsuit. They didn't really go too deep in, as far as why they chose Gordon. And Gordon looks a lot different. He's pretty much shaved his head his mustache. So <laughs> it doesn't look like Gordon. If they didn't say Commissioner Gordon on there, you wouldn't think it was him. But uh, he had a great line. He goes, just for the record, I just want you to know, I think this is the dumbest idea in the history of Gotham." <laughs> so I think that he's saying that kind of as a little wink to the fans who might not be on board with this whole idea. But it got me a little more interested and excited for uh the Batman story arc when it comes out in June so it was a pretty good issue I mean it's hard to complain when it's free on free comic book day so it's probably something any Batman should check out to see if they want to be on board with this new story arc so I'm done talking now <laughs> okay
1: jeez that was a mouthful too. yeah
0: <laughs>
1: no 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 it's, a, it, it, it's always good when you review comics too um, but yeah that's that's our show and um, just go to net on facebook at facebook.com slash the batman universe or on twitter and twitter handles at batman universe and you can follow all of us on twitter tim's twitter handle is at timg311 right. <laughs> and my twitter handle is at DaneSaysBanana. and you can also find us on itunes and you can rate and review us on itunes so please do that and uh, you can rate and review all the other batman universe podcasts on there too um, and if you want to send us an email like Marine Mark or Alex or Mike then you can email us at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com and you can check out our twitter uh, page and our twitter handle is at batfans27 and you can check out our dead facebook page at <laughs> facebook.com slash batfans podcast so with that like we say at the end of every podcast goodbye everybody we love you you love everybody, right too?
2: Yes we do. But like we always say too, with all of our hearts.
0: <laughs>
1: Alright everybody, we'll see you guys next time.
2: See you later. <laughs>
0: see you later. <laughs>